The racial and social climate this year has been like standing on the beach watching waves rise and fall, rise and fall, one after another, big waves coming, crashing onto the beach. Seemingly separate waves, but we know they are all connected. And just below the surface, undetected, a, vo a force exists in the water called an undertow that rushes the water back from the waves, back from the beach, down back into the ocean. And the velocity and strength of an undertow is so strong that even experienced swimmers can drown in it as it pulls them downward. Like the waves that rise and fall, our processing the murders of Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia, Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, George Floyd in Minnesota, and Wallace Wilder in Pickens County, Alabama, have been like waves. And for some reason, they seem isolated. For some, they seem isolated and separate from each other. But we know they are all connected. They're all connected. And just below the waves of these incidents are systemic undertows embedded in our society and in our institutions. That if we don't properly dissect these incidents and choose, and if we choose to stay at surface level, we set ourselves up to be taken under by systemic undertows. And these situations will continue to rise and fall rise and fall. As the church, if we become apathetic around the current racial and social climate in America, we will be taken under. We will drown in the undertoes. If we look below the surface, we will find systemic seeds intentionally planted watered over time in our society that have manifested to support the dominant narrative created to sustain white supremacy. If you found yourself going through 2020 and you've been unbothered, then you've been drinking the Kool-Aid. You've become apathetic and in order not to introduce cognitive dissonance, you've decided to view these incidents as separate and unrelated. But when we pull back the hood, we find that our criminal justice system is infiltrated by implicit bias, clothed in violence, and sustained by forces that thrive by remaining unseen. And sustained by forces that thrive by remaining unseen. These murders by the police are symptoms and side effects of a system meant to protect and serve everybody black and brown people. America has flourished by inflicting violence upon other nations and violence upon our own people. We have accepted the premise introduced to us by the dominant narrative that violence is the answer. And the premise goes this way, if I can depict you as a criminal, then you are deserving of violence. But the one group that should be challenging this premise is the Church of Jesus Christ. America inflicts pain upon whole countries because someone fed us a narrative that depicted them as criminals. 
And years later, sometimes we find that these narratives were a lie. But by then, we have crippled and killed whole families and introduced orphans into societies that were already struggling. How can the church of Jesus Christ reconcile this? We unleash violence on people at the border who are seeking a better life because they have broken our so-called standards and procedures. And now they are criminals worthy of violence, worthy of becoming orphans as we separate families at the border. Violence. We have normalized violence. Subconsciously, we have accepted that violence is the answer. It's been presented to us as the answer by mass media. Politicians have included violence in their platforms and used it to get elected. We have allowed the war on drugs to strip people of their humanity and be seen as worthy of violence. Inflicting violence in the name of justice is the biggest contradiction I have ever heard, but America is first in line to do so. And well, this morning, I don't need a scripture reference to tell you that God is not pleased. But if you need one, let's try Psalm 82 and 3. Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. Try Deuteronomy 10 and 18. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And if those didn't work for you, let's try Micah 6 and 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So in light of all of that, I want to talk about my sister this morning, our sister, our daughter, our niece, Sister Brianna Taylor. In the case of the murder of Brianna Taylor by the police, blood is not just on the hands of the officers that showed up at her door in the middle of the night with a battering ram. But blood is also on the hands of Joshua James, who wrote the affidavit seeking the no-knock warrants. He crafted the narrative that kickstarted this whole process. Blood is on the hands of Mary Shaw, the judge who signed off on such violence. Blood is on the hands of Daniel Cameron, the spineless attorney general of Kentucky. Daniel, you can give us your whole deck back. Blood is on the hand of the entire criminal justice system, which allows such violence in the name of finding drugs. Simply put, blood is on the hand of the American criminal justice system. At what point has it become acceptable to put policies and procedures in place that makes it okay for you to show up at my house in the middle of the night, unannounced, in plain clothes, with, with weapons willing to kill me and everybody in my house in the name of finding drugs. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. But we all know where this comes from. Every single politician that ran using the term war on drugs was introducing violence on our community. The term war is violent. Violent. 
But why would we expect anything else from America? She is built on violence. She was built on inflicting violence on Native Americans, on black and brown people. America did not just get this place in the world fair and square. But I'd be damned if we're going to sit around and watch you kill our black women. To my black community, we carry the burden of telling the story of Breonna Taylor. So March 3rd, while Brianna was risking her life in the middle of a pandemic, working in the emergency room as a technician, there was a detective across town crafting a story that implicated her because of her ex-boyfriend's suspected drug activity. And by this association, she is dehumanized and presented as a villain, as a criminal and it presented as worthy of assault on her body. The detective places in the affidavit pictures of what should be the safest place for a black woman in America. He plays pictures of her front door and a description of her home. This violence didn't just happen to Brianna. A whole ecosystem operating on racism and implicit bias against black women thrust violence upon her doorstep. A whole system that values recovering drugs over the preservation of human life launched not one, not two, but six bullets into her body. No knock warrants are inherently violent. Ramming down doors in the middle of the night is violent. Showing up at my house unannounced in plain clothes is violent. The system is flawed, but it's just not mistakenly flawed. It is intentionally flawed with loopholes and margins that slide just when we need to criminalize black and brown people. But who has the power? The one who has the pen has the power. The one who tells the story has the power. The one who wrote the affidavit had the power to create a false narrative about our sister, Brianna. And until the lioness tells her side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. So let's tell Brianna's story by saying her name. Say her name on the front line of protest. Say her name on magazine covers. Say her name across your pulpits. But most importantly, say her name through legislation. In June of this year, Louisville knew something was wrong because the city council where she lived passed legislation to ban no-knock warrants in that city. Other cities around the globe don't have to wait until there's another Brianna to do the same. Say Brianna's name in such a way that connects her to legislation and policy changes on the local city level and on the state level. To our municipal and state level politicians, you shouldn't have to wait on our activists and organizers to make you investigate violent policies in your own city and state. We're not going to sit around and wait on a Brianna in Birmingham or a Brianna in Montgomery or a Brianna in Mobile. In the words of James Baldwin, we know that if they take you in the morning, they will be coming for us that night. 
So say her name. Protesters, don't back down. Organizers, don't back down. And as we grieve, as we mourn, as we lament, may we unleash the cry and the strength of our ancestors. Brianna Shaquelle Taylor, say her name.